Welcome to episode four of the Unperfect Podcast, the only podcast where a story about kids playing naked pirates leads to a discussion about the active word of God and 10 creative ideas to keep us distractible mamas in it. I'm your host, Shelly Sneed, and it's my desire to help others see glimpses of God's glory among the imperfections of their lives. If you have ever struggled with measuring up to an unattainable standard or have wondered where is God in the midst of less than perfect circumstances, you are not alone. Hope and maybe a little bit of humor are on the horizon. So I am a boy mom. Yes, I have one daughter, but she came last and wanted to do everything the three boys were doing. So as far as their early childhoods go, I might as well have had four boys. You could pretty much sum up their existence in one word, activity. Trains, cars, star warships, lightsabers, nerf guns, bicycles, balls, trampolines, zip lines, you name it, these kids were busy at work doing it. They were so, so very active. And I wrote about this event recently in a blog post, but I will never forget my shock upon staring out the back of my kitchen window that overlooked our backyard and seeing one child completely naked about to jump off the platform of the treehouse. So I ran outside, probably more concerned about what the neighbors might be thinking uh, than the inappropriateness of that act. But I started yelling, what on earth are you doing? Put your clothes back on. And my oldest child, who was the obvious ringleader of the others, objected very much to this saying, but mom, we're playing pirates and he has to walk the plank. He can't take anything with him, not even his clothes. So needless to say, I made a quick modification in pirate play rules that included allowing the captive to keep his clothes when he jumped to his certain death. But you get the idea. These kids were as active as their imaginations. And Hebrews 4.12 tells us that the Word of God is living and active. And many of us have read this verse dozens or hundreds of times, but rushed on to the next part without really understanding how powerful those two adjectives are. Living. This is not just a metaphorical verb. It's the same word that the angels used when they were speaking to the women at Jesus' tomb. And they said, why do you seek the living among the dead? It's not just words on its page. This, this book is alive. It speaks to each one of us uniquely in our spirits. And then there's the word active that I was talking about a minute ago. Operative, effectual, powerful, at work. One translation even says it's energizing. So if this is our description of the Word of God, why do we have days or seasons of neglecting it or approaching it flippantly or hastily? There's probably hundreds of reasons, but I'm going to give you two today and then offer a whole bunch of suggestions to combat them. So one reason I think is because the substitutes are sometimes shinier. We see in the Old Testament that the Israelites neglected the Word of God, and the further they got away from it, the further they strayed away from living it. And here's something I didn't learn until recently. But it was actually a law from God that each of Israel's kings had to write out their own copy of the law. Moses said this before Israel even had kings. So talk about planning ahead. This was in Deuteronomy 17, and Moses is giving instructions for the kings and what they had to do and could not do. And he tells them in verse 18, um, when he takes the throne of his kingdom, he is to write for himself on a scroll a copy of this law. 
taken from that of the Levitical priest. It is to be with him and he is to read it all the days of his life so that he may learn to revere the Lord his God and follow carefully all the words in this law and these decrees. Say what? That makes the discovery of the law in King Josiah's time even more appalling that they literally found it buried in the temple and didn't even know what it was. He and his fathers before him should have been writing it, each one of them, a copy of it, keeping it and reviewing their own copy. The whole reason Israel went against God's plan and begged for kings in the first place is because they wanted to be like the nations around them. That substitute for God's leadership looked a little shinier to them. So God knew from the start there were going to be other things demanding our attention and posturing themselves in a way that we would prioritize impostures over the real thing. And the more I engage in counterfeits for my information, instructions, hope, whether it's people, media outlets, my phone, that's the big one for me, I'm less likely to be actively engaged in the true words of life. So a second reason I think we have for neglecting God's word when we know it's alive and active and eternal is that our methods can become monotonous. Now, I know not every moment in the word of God is going to feel like a party or a revival. And discipline is just part of the process. But I have to be proactive to approach it in different ways. My God didn't always work the same way in Scripture. Sometimes He spoke through a prophet or a priest, but sometimes He spoke through a donkey or a child or even an unbeliever. He is a God of creativity, diversity, and complexity. And I find that sometimes if I'll just change up the way that I'm studying the Bible, it helps me with fresh perspectives on the application of His constant word, to my ever-changing life. So his word stays constant, even though my life is constantly changing. So blame it on the creative nature that I have or my love for spontaneity. But whatever the reason, it is so easy for me to become bored or complacent or dissatisfied with any actions in my life that are repetitive. Like I find myself reluctantly flipping through the recipes I have made for years and wishing for something new to cook. And I face the same dilemma with my hairstyles. You can look through my photo albums and every year I have a completely different hairstyle. The scrapbooks are the proof that I'm just not uh, content with doing the same thing all the time. Well, unfortunately, reading God's word sometimes makes us fall into a similar rut. I want to be drawn to God's word with that same passion and dependency that Peter had when he said, Lord, Where else would we go? You have the words of eternal life. But sometimes my experience is a little stale and I'm more like, God, I'll get to you in a little bit. And that's not a shortcoming of the Bible. So the fault is my own. So I'm going to share with you 10 ideas that I and others have used to change up our methods a little bit when approaching scripture and Bible study. So these are just 10 ideas Um, that you might want to try, not all at once, unless you thrive on chaos. Um, But pick something and go with it for a little bit and then change it up. So number one is use a translation different from what you typically read. 
Doing this can shed new light on familiar passages and provide deeper biblical understanding. Now, as a kid, I read and memorized scripture from the King James Version or the NIV. That's just the churches I was in. That's what we used. In recent years, I started using the Christian Standard Bible. And then recently, I read the entire Bible in the English Standard Version and gained a whole new perspective on some familiar passages. And maybe it's just the nerd in me, but I've loved seeing verses that I've known for a long time with slightly different wording. Now, keep in mind, there are words in the Hebrew and Greek translations. That's what the Bible was originally written in, those languages. We don't even have English translations for. We talked about this when we talked about the hesed love of God. So different Bible translations are going to have slightly different, but still accurate translations of scriptures. And I love, love this next one. I discovered it last summer. Number two, read a Bible written in paragraph form without chapter or verse designations or section headings. Y'all, I didn't even know these existed. This is now my favorite way to read the Bible, and I'm amazed by the context that I gained. For example, my previous experience reading Paul's letters kind of made them out to be a collection of verses about Christian living do's and don'ts, but they really came alive as expositions on displaying the gospel with hands and feet when I read them as complete letters, which is the way they were written and meant to be read rather than just selected verses. And it's a lot harder to take a verse out of context when you've read it within a paragraph or a page. So that's an added bonus to that method. Did you know, I didn't even know this till recently, that the books of the Bible were not originally separated by verses? This didn't come about until like the mid 1500s. So even though that's really helpful for finding passages and memorizing scripture, removing those can enhance our understanding of the Bible's meta narrative. And I love how the Holy Spirit leads me to the heart of what's written rather than someone else's suggested heading. So what I'm talking about is most of our translations, they'll give us a little title or a heading for each section in the word. Kind of gives us a heads up on what it's going to be about or a little summary. And these aren't bad, but without them, it reads more like a book or a novel than a collection of newspaper articles, if that makes sense. And nothing against newspaper articles, if that's your jam. Uh, But I highly recommend this method. I'm happy to put the version I use in the comments or the show notes. Okay, number three, choose a specific book or section of the Bible and stay there regardless of how many verses you read each day. Now, this is a very strange concept for some of us, not to have a plan or an end date. We're real big on, you know, checking boxes and having things orderly. But um, this is more just having a goal, gleaning everything we can from that portion of God's word before we move on. My husband once studied the book of Romans for an entire year, and my son once focused on one passage in Mark, just rereading it and meditating on it day after day. And I heard a speaker recently say, I'm reading through Matthew right now in my quiet times, and I'll stop whenever God tells me to. So let the Holy Spirit guide when to move on to a new passage or a book. Okay, number four, focus on several related books to read in their entirety over a shorter amount of time. So this involves reading a bigger quantity of scripture for a big picture view. And I've mentioned um, 
to some of you that my son challenged me last summer to read the entire Bible through in one month. Now, I'm not going to shame anybody to try to do this. For me, it had to be the exact time and season for it to even be remotely possible. And I just happened to have a month where none of my kids were home. And even then, it took more like 40 days. I couldn't complete it in the 30 days. But this is how my son described it to me. He said, think of it as looking at a painting in an art gallery. If you stand right up next to it, you're going to see a small portion of that painting really well, and you're going to see all the details. But if you take a step back several feet, you get to see the artist's overall objective as you take in the entire thing at once. So maybe try reading an entire book in a day without stopping to analyze small verses or small sections. Big picture moments can be just as powerful in our growth as the short phrases and verses that the Holy Spirit uses to speak to us. Okay, number five, listen to the Word. I'll be honest, this isn't my go-to way of diving into the Word. My ADD can only hear so much before my mind starts to wander, especially if the voice reading it doesn't change much. But I have read along with an audio version of the Bible, Um, And sometimes the portions of scripture with dialogue, especially, truly come to life because they were read by alternating voices. Um, I also love the Streetlights app, which is an audio version, and it's underscored with music. Um, Some of it's like hip hop. It's read by ethnically diverse voices. So that helps me see the text in a new light, even that. And I have already pre-ordered my copy of the ESV Audio Bible coming out in September of this year, 2023, narrated by Jackie Hill Perry, one of my favorite people on the planet. Uh, She's a spoken word artist, an amazing Bible teacher, and I'll add some links for that as well, but I can't wait to hear that. That's going to be amazing. Number six, write it down. So this is just taking a play from uh, taking a page from Moses's playbook, right? For Israel's kings, when he he said to write the word down, write a whole passage, even write a whole book. Maybe not in one day. Um, there's an author, Robert Carnes, who started doing this back in 2019, and he wrote about it in an article saying that since handwriting is slow, it gives you more time to think about each word, especially some of them that we may come to glaze over when reading. Now, he even admits sometimes this becomes more academic and more about the discipline, but it's certainly something to try, particularly if you're wanting to focus on a specific book or specific passage of scripture. So try that one. Number seven, post the word around your house. We can be super intentional about posting truths from God's word that we want to meditate on more frequently and purposefully by doing this. So there was a time when our family had to have some security cameras hanging in certain rooms or hallways inside our home. We were coexisting with some developmental trauma, and this was just the best way to keep our family safe. Well, when my hubs first hung them up, my heart just deflated. Y'all, they were so ugly. And while my home was not Martha Stewart worthy by any means, not even close, this was just really discouraging for me. But I was reading this book by my friend Christy. It's a book called Chronic Blessings. And she was struggling with the illness of POTS. And she had young, active kids. And I think at this particular time, they were going to be at an amusement park. And she wrote about how her much-needed wheelchair arrived. And it just devastated her. She did not want to be in that thing. But she decided to hang scripture on the wheelchair just to help her attitude about it. I don't remember what scripture she used, but I immediately bought some farmhouse looking chalkboards and I wrote scriptures on them like, I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And I posted scripture on every camera hanging in our home. And that way, 
When I saw the cameras, I also saw life-giving truth. So number eight, read the Bible with other people. This one is so good, especially if you're like me and you need accountability. So ask a friend or two to read the same thing you're reading, maybe a chapter each day of a book or whatever y'all decide. And then just text each other once a day. Share anything that stood out to you or an action step or a question you had. Um, And it doesn't have to be extensive, just a quick text. So much more worthwhile than getting on social media, right? Similarly, for my birthday last year, my husband had a sign specially made that goes all the way across the top of our kitchen wall, and it's Romans 15, 13, a verse about hope, which we both need endless supplies of. And this verse daily reminds me that that's exactly what God gives. Number nine, respond to your Bible reading in prayer. We used to do this at the church I grew up in almost every Sunday night, I think, as a part of the service, the pastor would give us a few scriptures to read and he would say, get in groups of two or three, read the scripture and then pray it basically back to God. Uh, The Bible Project describes this as a mode of reading with an eye towards finding language out of which we form a prayer of response. So it's not wrapping up our Bible time with general prayers about our life. It's a specific kind of praying that uses words and ideas from the text to shape a prayer or response. And in number 10, this seems so simple, but I think it's very profound. Leave your Bible out. Now, this is not in hopes of osmosis, like just from it sitting there, it's going to seep into you. Uh, My daughter once had a hairstylist that we adored, and I wasn't really sure if she knew the Lord, but the Lord knows we spent a lot of time with her. If you've ever delved into African-American hair, you get this. It is a several hour to an all day affair. It's not a 15 minute appointment at Great Clips. So I don't remember the occasion, but one day we gave this hairstylist a Bible and she lovingly accepted it. And then she informed us that she would put it under her pillow when she slept so it could flow into her. Now, I hope that it got a little uncomfortable under there. So she took it out and actually read it because as Han Solo said, that's not how the force works. Uh, But I'm talking about leaving it out and open wherever you're going to be the most so you can continue reading it or rereading a passage or book throughout the day. For me, it would be on my kitchen counter. Um, I'm in there a lot. Sometimes when I'm working on a Bible study, I'll just leave it open there with my Bible open and maybe do a question every two or three hours when I come back in there. It just keeps me mindful and in the Word throughout the day as opposed to just doing something in the morning, putting it away, and then never thinking about it again until the next day, which my ADD brain is completely capable of doing. So these are just a few ways to engage in the Word creatively There are probably lots more. The internet is full of them, I'm sure, from reading the Bible in a year or two plans to ways to take apart a passage and analyze it. Uh, There are things called verse mapping or the oats method or the soap method or the Swedish method. You just get your Google on and you're going to find a whole bunch more. But again, keep in mind, I don't do all these all the time. It's just nice to have some options to keep us fresh as we're in the ever active and living yet unchanging Word of God. Thanks for joining me today on the Unperfect Podcast. Check out the show notes for a written form of this episode in the form of a blog post on my website. That's www.shellysneed.com. You can also subscribe to receive a bi-monthly newsletter from me straight to your inbox. 
And lastly, I've got a free resource for you called The Unperfect Promises of God. It's a printable download of five biblical meditations to encourage you as you're living in the now and the not yet that I mention often here on the podcast. So check out the show notes for a link to that, and it's yours free. Also, if you were challenged, blessed, or humored by today's episode, would you be so kind as to leave a quick rating and review? It will help other unperfect people like us find the podcast. I'm praying you have a blessed week and are able to see glimpses of glory in the now and the not yet of your unperfect life. See you next time.